KW Draft Season Podcast, presented by the Knicks Wall Podcast and Blue Wire Podcast. Joining me today is my official, unofficial co-host, Flex Queen, Jess Reinhardt. Jess, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you, man? Good, good. We're, we've come to the end of our journey. I know. I can't believe it. it. Flew by. And then for our last episode, we had to go into deep into our special guest column. We have from the co-founder, editor-in-chief, everything, CPB Today, and the contributor for Forbes Sports, and a close personal friend of the Knicks wall, Joseph Nardone. Joe, what's up? That's a lot of uh, introductions. I feel like Apollo Creed before the first Rocky fight. <laughs> oh my hey, God. you need the proper introduction, man. I appreciate it. I mean, you could be my hype man, my agent, get me a couple extra dollars, and I'll take it. Hey, let's do it. I'm looking to quit my job, so any money's good money. <laughs> but uh, so a lot of stuff's happened since we did our mock draft last week. Anthony Davis is a Los Angeles Laker. Any thoughts on the trade? I they pretty much gave away their whole future for Anthony Davis. Jess, what do you? What are I your mean, thoughts? yeah, that's. Uh... I I know how good AD is. I completely understand that. But my goodness, that's a lot of assets. I'm not saying they're going to lose this trade, but oof, that is a lot to part with. Um, I will say I did uh, immediately hop on 2K and play the new Pelicans versus the new Lakers. Got a casual 30-piece with AD, so that was fun. Running pick and roll with him and LeBron was just stupid. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a ton of fun. I just, man, I wasn't in, I wasn't expecting anything. Um, and now I'm, I think I'm most intrigued about uh, this number four pick and what's going to happen with it, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit. Right, yeah, I'm glad. Thank you for leading us in. Um so the Pelicans have the fourth pick. They're already shopping it, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. If you're the Knicks, do you stick with R.J. Barrett, who we've talked about at length on this podcast, or do you try and finesse them? I do not think Lonzo Ball is going to be available. David Griffin was very high on him. But if you're the Knicks, do you look to at least make the call and say, do you want to move up one spot to put R.J. and Zion together, give us another asset, whether it's an extra pick or another one of those players that the Lakers gave them? Or do you just stand pat? Uh, for me, unfortunately, I think looking at that scenario, you also have to think about how KD is probably not going to play at all next season, whether or not he even comes to New York. If that were different and KD looked like KD was coming um, and going to be able to play, I'd definitely look at trading down because of how much I love Culver. But – uh, it's starting to look like, you know, whoever they pick at, at number three could be kind of leading the charge for them this season, depending on what happens in free agency. And if that's the case, I 
I think you still you have to stick with RJ because I think he fits that role better than Culver does off the bat. I know Harley has brought up multiple times how you know he loves Culver as well, but he's definitely more of a project in terms of finding his full potential in the NBA. He's not going to come in right away and be that scorer that you're going to need if that's the situation the Knicks are in. Yeah, I think that yeah that last part is why I want RJ the most. In addition to, for Kevin Durant purposes, I, I don't know why I'm I'm really hung up on Steve Nash being the connecting piece for KD and RJ because KD was has always been saying that Nash is very, like one of his closest friends. And obviously RJ and Nash are close, being that they're right. that's his godfather. So I want to keep that connection alive. And then with the thing which you said with scoring, I don't think Culver is ready to be a 20-point per night score where I think there is a path where RJ can do that from day one. Absolutely. And Joe, I I know you love RJ. Yeah, I I do. I like, I like RJ Barrett more than I like John Morant. And I also think like, yeah, you make, of course you make the phone call just to see like if they're willing to give up any of those other draft picks they're getting from the Lakers, uh, the Pelicans are getting from the Lakers. And like you said that I don't think they're willing to part with Lonzo Ball. And there's really nothing else on that roster the Knicks need right now. Or could or really want because they're not really close to winning, you know, a 17 win team. You make the call, you see what happens. Um, and I'm also a big believer after RJ Barrett, after that third pick, there's just such a huge drop in talent. Like, even if you're really high in Culver, like he's obviously not like a sh- for sure hit or anything like that. Or even if you like other guys like Garland or Kobe White, the drop in talent's just so huge that even though it's just, just a single pick, the Pelicans would have to offer like one of those unprotected picks or one of those swap picks and a player, and I just don't think that's something David Griffin's even looking to do. Yeah, he's too smart to do that. That's that's where I'm hung up on. And you said you like RJ over Ja, which actually gives me encouraging encouragement. What about RJ makes you so confident in him? Well, so, like, I get it. Like, when you're – when you, he came into the season as, like, the projected number one overall pick, and then you're just going to get more negatives about his game as opposed to the positives. But, like, all the negatives are really easily explained away. Like, all of us, the three of us, and a bunch of other Nick Law people have talked about it in private where the spacing at Duke was just so otherworldly bad where, like, guys like Jack White wouldn't make a three-pointer for, like, ten games. And, obviously, Cam Reddish was very hit or miss. Zion Williamson, I know he made 33% or whatever of his threes, but he wasn't a floor spacer. Trey Jones infamously um, had tackle foul guard him. In a way that was, you know, it's it was disrespectful to Trey Jones. Like I couldn't believe that he was not even willing to take a, a three point shot. It was the worst spacing I've ever seen in college basketball, which is saying a ton, given you know college basketball spacing is historically awful. So like I'm not worried about, and he was also their primary ball handler, their primary creator. Like Zion Williamson was great, but he wasn't asked to initiate the offense. Coach K didn't run any offensive sets. He was just really reliant upon his his freshmen to make plays and all this other stuff. So, yeah, like, he he is an elite at the rim finisher, even though the numbers don't show it. It's because every time he drive to the rim, everybody would just close in and, and and just attack him because they knew if he if he even thought about kicking it out, what is Jack White going to do? Do you know what I mean? And then he's yes. an underrated passer. He's a competent defender. Do you know what I mean? Which is an underrated part. And he rebounds really well. And he can play three positions. So, John Morant is obviously super athletic. His shooting is way better than people give it credit for, but his defense is like super atrocious. He's very wiry, I guess is the best way you could put it. And the, and his passing is nice and all this other stuff, but he was ball in hand heavy. Now, the, the, a lot of the 
a lot of the same knocks I have on him I had on Trey uh, Trey Young, which I was clearly wrong at, where it's like, oh, the turnover rate, the um, the vision versus the ability to pass. Like I think John Morant is a very good passer. Um, I think his vision isn't as strong as maybe like Trey Young's was, where Trey Young's vision was great, but his passing was a little suspect while at Oklahoma. But I think R.J. Barrett, just his his floor, I know it's weird to put it in these terms because you think superstar at second and third pick, but like R.J. Barrett's floor is like a super great off-the-bench scorer where John Moran's floor is a boss. Do you know what I mean? I don't feel like R.J. Barrett could possibly yeah. bust. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I, it's also uh, beyond all the stuff you mentioned, I just think that he's been raised – like his father played for St. John's, Nash's godfather – and Canada basketball has kind of propped him up to be the guy Wiggins wasn't. So he's he's had the structure for a long time. So and everything I've heard about the kid, everything I heard about him, it's like the opposite of Cam Reddish and Bull Bull. Like you hear all those question marks about his work ethic, their work ethics, or their right. coachability, um, which a lot of it that's overblown because you know, like what teenagers great with authority. You don't even. But R.J. Barrett, exactly. R.J. Barrett stuff was always super coachable, works hard, gym rat, like all those intangibles that like are very tropey and narrative driven, but they matter. And that's what everybody says about RJ Barrett. Also what goes, and I don't think this applies to all those Duke players like Zion, RJ, and even Cam Reddish. I don't think people appreciate how much those guys got along and how unselfish they were with each other, where you never heard coming out of Duke, like Cam Reddish complained about RJ taking all the shots or RJ complained about Zion getting all the hype. Or Zion complained that RJ's closing out games, you know, with isolation basketball. I think it shows a level of maturity all those guys actually have, which, you know, that I know that's a separate conversation, but it knocks, it, it diminishes some of the Cam Reddish, um, you know, personality trait stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. And another thing he brought, people forget, Zion wasn't supposed to go to Duke. RJ kind of recruited him to come there because I'm pretty sure Zion was, I think it was Clemson. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. his hometown school. Yeah. Right. So RJ got him to come there. And like you said, there wasn't any bullshit going on in the locker room. And even on the floor, like they, these are young kids. We saw LeBron, Wade, and Bosch as pros visibly look upset at each other on the court. And we see it with the Thunder and even the Warriors at times where they're just acting stupid. Duke, no matter what, even when they lost games, like the Gonzaga game, RJ could have easily been like public enemy number one in Durham for a long time. And he wasn't. So... I think he's – teammate-wise, I think he's perfect fit for this for this team. And like you said with Knox, Knox is – the biggest knock on Knox is his work ethic or just like he just checks out of games. I think having someone like R.J. Barrett and then in addition to like guys like Alonzo Trier and Dennis Smith, that's going to help him. And then for this – I just wanted to set the floor for, I guess, 2020 now. So since KD will most likely be out, what – really holds in the future. I don't think free agents are coming now. I mean, I don't want to be negative. Am I wrong on that, guys? Do you think – I don't see the Knicks getting anybody big. Maybe Durant. No, I mean, he would be big. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying, like, to play next year, rather. Oh, no, I don't. And, I mean, I mean, you guys could probably speak better to it than I do because I don't follow, like, the Knicks salary cap and all that. But, like, there, it almost seems counterproductive at this point with without getting Kyrie – or whatever to go after another big name and what seems like it's going to be, you know, a youth movement. So it seemed like a waste to go get like a, that second tier guy where you have to pay him the max anyway, just because uh, I think they should avoid mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. And that, I mean, so far they said Perry is not trying to do that. He's just trying to 
take on bad contracts with assets coming in. I lost Sean Marks, so I do like that. But that sets the stage for 2020, which is shaping up to be a much better draft class than 2019. So before we get started, are there any prospects that you guys like for the Knicks coming out like right off the bat? I know it's early, but just somebody to say, hey, keep an eye on. And then we're just going to go to the top, the top end. So Jess, is there somebody that really sticks out to you? Um, I mean, yes. I So full disclosure, I try to keep everything, uh, what's the word here, uh, unbiased. But uh, I'm very biased in this pick and I have no problem admitting it, but it's worth it. Uh, he goes by the name of Isaiah Stewart. He is a Rochester kid, went to La Lumiere for two years. He's uh, going to play at Washington this coming year. He's ranked number three in the ESPN 100, and he's going to be my favorite player in college basketball this year, without right. a doubt. No oh, doubt. I mean, he already is. Yeah. <laughs> but again, full disclosure, he was a City Rocks kid. I've been following him since he was in eighth grade. It's just <laughs> coming with the territory. Um, yeah. But he's, man, he the this uh, high school season, La Lumiere was ranked number one for most of the season, I believe they ended up losing to IMG Academy in the national championship. Um, but at times he was just a man playing among boys. Um, he's a six, nine center, 245 pounds, but can move, run up and down the court. will dunk on anyone, uh, can block anyone's shot will rebound better than anyone. And I can't wait to see what, what he does in Washington this year. Yeah, I got heavy Wendell Carter Jr. vibes from him. Just from like, I only watched, I watched like three or four videos on him, and that's the first player that I thought of. Is that off base, or is it? Do you think he's no? I like that. I like that. Um, Man, he just is an absolute workhorse. Um, He, along with uh, Joe Girard III, were you know two top names for the City Rocks last year in the EYBL. um, Got to the Peach Jam, and he just. Man, he just you can just watch him play and just know that he just has this extra motor that that other guys don't. Um and he's also like one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um he's just the nicest kid ever. Um and you know, I always just want to see kids like that succeed for sure. Yeah, I would love him next to Mitch. I oh my he, god. He's, he's I'm just going to say if this <laughs> Uh, yeah don't even it's gonna be crazy don't even put that thought in my head because i'll cry if he gets drafted <laughs> i will shed actual tears if he gets drafted by the knicks in pure happiness oh my goodness i haven't seen any mock drafts yet for 2020 is he projected to go because i know i mean obviously he's a top in this prospects but sometimes that, right that changes i'm gonna check real quick i saw yeah. like a What's that random like NBA draft.net? Yeah, he's like, two. He's I don't know. I've seen him as high as two and as low as seven, but he's kind of in that range from what I've seen at least. Yeah, two. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, Washington's Washington's really gonna be good. good. <laughs> so since we're at Washington, let's just Jada oh McDaniels. My goodness. Okay, okay, so Jess texted me yesterday. <laughs> she said because I was watching tape on the top end guys, and I said Isaiah no, she said Isaiah Stewart, so correct me. And she was like, yeah, Jaden McDaniels. She said KD. I was like, wait, what? Because the KD comparisons get crazy because I'm from Jersey and Kyle Anderson was considered KD-like and that couldn't be further from the truth. So I had 
I was suspicious. I saw him. Man, that would <laughs> not be a bad pick. I love like he's smooth and he has that stoic look to him where he's like like Fultz had the same kind of demeanor where like he'll, he's getting buckets and his face is just not changing. It just doesn't change. Yeah. It's like he could go off for 20, but it just looks like the easiest 20 points anyone has ever scored. Um, yeah, I mean, I had I was texting a couple people asking, like, making sure I was covering all my bases with guys to look at. And uh, this one coach told me, like, crazy athleticism. He, you know, has the the KD type of, of skill set potentially. Um, and I had the same reaction as you. Um, but he, you know, they also told me that he has the most upside of anyone as well. I think he's still pretty raw. Um, and man, yeah, like you said, Washington, if there was an equivalent to league pass for college where like you picked maybe a team that isn't in your area, everyone should be watching Washington. I mean, they, so McDaniels, uh, committed late. Like it was in the, just the last couple of weeks, I think, um, have Isaiah coming quad a green at the latest will be there in December, January. They put in a waiver for him to start right from the start um they have Nas (laughs) all right Mr. Kentucky um you know uh Isaiah is actually joining another two former City Rocks in Hamir Wright and Nas Carter um that put in you know a lot of minutes for Washington last year as well um they're gonna be a ton of fun yeah, I'm I'm 100 with Jess here. They're gonna they that's a great thing to compare it to like the league pass because like nobody's going out of their way to watch Washington Huskies basketball. I think I'm flying out to Seattle um, next season. They should really but, start doing well. That, they now used that you to mention it because I mean last year where no, I mean, they used to have, they used to have uh, like college that? basketball whatever thing like it was through ESPN. You get like 200 games and all that other stuff. But now these games, yeah, that was oh like, really. Man, I'm gonna date myself. But that was like, you know, the early <laughs> 2000s and stuff like that, and nobody bought it. So now everything, like, I mean, you could, if you want to find Washington to play basketball, you can. It's not like. Like, you could get the Pac 12 network or whatever. Yeah, you also have I to guess. stay up to like 11 um, at night to watch, to watch them. Camp. Exactly. Even exactly. when they had, when they had faults, yeah, nobody, but, like, I mean, all, they weren't good, but nobody was staying up to watch the number one overall pick in that year. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those deals where Washington right. doesn't carry the cachet of. Um, and maybe it's me being an East Coaster where it's a bias, but it doesn't care the cachet of even like middle tier um, East Coast programs. Although Mike Hopkins has done like a just humorous job out there where really quickly he made a program that was known, not even known. They got into a, a run with Romar where they, they'd recruit really well, but never win. And now they're just doing everything. They're winning. And now re- Hopkins is recruiting above what people expected. Like the Jaden McDaniels thing is very like, I don't like doing like the comparisons because I get it. Jaden McDaniels is six ten. He's really skinny. He can shoot, so he's Kevin Durant type of thing. Like I understand why people do that, um, but like he's somebody like you know Mike Hopkins supposedly would have no business getting because he's not from Washington, and I believe McDaniels is from Federal Way. So like this is a a big deal for that. And like I as far as like his NBA, NBA draft prospects go, he's going to be somebody where Mike touched on it earlier, where this draft class is going to be viewed a lot more positively. Where, like, you could get him at, like, pick eight or nine, probably. Um, obviously, early conjecture on my end. Where, like, he also could project into, like, you could talk yourself into thinking he could be an all-star. Which is nuts. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't have that in the 2019 draft. When we talked about the eighth or ninth pick, we're like, man, I hope he makes the roster. 
Do you know what I mean? So I think that's the difference in these two <laughs> exactly. drafts. Yeah, and Hopkins, was he he was the guy they hired right after they lost Porter Jr., right? Was that the fallout? Is that remember, was Michael Porter Jr. He was supposed to go there, right? I'm not I'm not crazy. Yeah, he was supposed to go there. His dad was an assistant there. Um and then, you know, they had Fultz and they sucked, even with the number one player. And a couple um, years before that too, when they had so, Chris and I'm gonna blank on the other guy's name, two lottery picks and they stunk. DeJounte yeah. Murray. So like that was the fallout yeah. of that. It's just I think it's and Jess probably will know more about Hopkins than I am being from like, you know, actual New York and I'm not, but um, he's not, he was supposedly not a great, going to be a great recruiter and he's been. Yeah, he, I mean, so he was the guy who was supposed to step in for Bayheim when he retired. If that ever <laughs> actually, I'm not convinced he's ever actually going to retire. Um, He'll just disappear into whatever, but uh. He, you know, everyone knew he was kind of the second in command going to step in there once Beheim was was gone. And then Beheim's son came in. So it looked like, well, he might be there another four years. Um, and he's a West Coast guy. I think he's from California. Um, and I actually got to see him last, uh, was it last year? Uh, or maybe, it, I can't remember exactly when, but, um, and he is just so excited. He's the type of guy, like, I would request anyone to go just watch a single interview of him. He is the most, like, upbeat, makes you want to run through a brick wall after you watch a video of him. Like, after they got McDaniels, um, I think I saw him, I think Andy Katz had him come on his little quick Twitter show um, talking about getting McDaniels, and... It's it's easy to see how he could be a good recruiter because he like he can just talk up anyone and make you feel like they're the best thing in the world. Um, and then you know he's bringing his, that that zone with him that he played at Syracuse himself. And um, you know I think I I've started to wonder like. Um, I think Thibault's come up in a few of our conversations um, yes. in, in this draft season. And, I mean, I wonder if he would even be in a conversation if he didn't play for Hopkins. Like, he had that kind of impact on this kid's defense where, you know, people are able to see that's the type of player that he is. Um, so it's going to be really Nobody interesting. Nobody breaks down Washington Huskies basketball like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most we've talked about Pac-12. No, but seriously. I'm so though, sorry for people who don't care. Well, you're man. right, though. People got to watch well, them. They're going to be phenomenal and fun. Like, Hopkins <laughs> isn't afraid to let them run. Do you know what I mean? So, like, so it's going to make Absolutely it really not. Like, Nas Carter, uh, fun fact, is Jay-Z's nephew um, and had some absolutely ridiculous dunks last season as a freshman. Like, him and him and Isaiah going up to the rim, like, it's just going to be a ton, ton of fun. Yeah, I'm happy because I want – a West Coast team this year because last year I missed out on Gonzaga. I didn't really watch them, and I felt like that was another team that was really fun that no one really cared about. I think the last West Coast team was what UCLA Lonzo's UCLA team was like the last team people actually gave a shit about. That West. team was also pretty like yeah, it's probably. funny in hindsight because people got to get the Lonzo jokes off, but that team was actually pretty transcendent and like as far as like yeah, I remember we talked and, about and this a few weeks back and like how the season before Alfred just ran like this really stagnant offense, then Lonzo basically came in made everybody else look like NBA players, and they ran this really electric offense that, you know, 
basically made Alfred seem like a really good coach. That he's, I am not saying he's a bad coach, but he clearly isn't that kind. Isn't that level? He's also he a horrible human being. <laughs> oh, you don't know Wait, any why? of the Steve Alfred I, I mean, stuff? I'm not surprised. What? Oh man, let's not no, do this not. here. Just go, just, just Google <laughs> quick scandal. Like nine thousand things will pop up. Oh Jesus. Where is he now? Did he get another head coaching job? He's at you. Is he uh, at UNLV? I don't... Or did I just make that up? Oh, that might sound. Yeah, that might be right. I can't that keep track like of all of these things. <laughs> For guys having scandals. Well, he's not that kind of scandal. No, place. I'm wrong. It's <laughs> TJ Olsenberger. Oh, Nevada. Yeah, he's, I knew it was one of those. Nevada. I mean, yeah, whatever. He's a uh, man. Okay. The Alfred thing is like, you know. He had that issue with Tony Snell way back in the day, whereas the mom ended up calling him all these other things. He's also been like anti-transfer, even though he uses transfers all the time. And he has really bad takes. And he's also been involved with other level scandals. He's yelled at uh, opposing players like after games and stuff like that. He just seems like a really miserable guy. I just hate that he played his son over, uh, I think it was yeah. Aaron Holiday. Son, I mean, his son was decent, though, like, like to be fair. On. It wasn't like he was putting out like, you know, like John Calipari's kid. Do you know what I mean? He was... His kid was at least decent. <laughs> I forget Cal's kid's on the team, honestly. He time. might trans he's on the transfer portal, but he might not. Really? Cal says he What's might his name, not. Brad? Yeah. Is it Brad Calipari? Cal's ruthless. Brad Brad Calipari, yeah. 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 It's gotta be tough to be like like to coach to play at Kentucky being Calipari's kid and everybody being like, Yeah, you're only here because your dad's John Calipari. Yeah. That's yeah, kinda like sure. the Austin Rivers thing. Yeah, but if you remember, like again. Um, Austin Rivers was at one point thought to be the best, you know, prospect in his draft class, and he's not—he's not like oh, a yeah. horrible. He had pro. one of the like, best. Not like he's this super duper awful pro. You know what I mean? Like he is an NBA player. I, I just stick up for all. Yeah, but they were calling him a Kobe. <laughs> no, but he was. I mean, when he was, his high school mixtape was like very, very popular. So they were saying Kobe takes and all that. I was like, oh, yeah, they, I mean, they had. The, he also barely got to play in college and stuff like that, which, you know, I don't know, like, how that works. Yeah, he well, he didn't play Duke. a lot, right? Didn't he only get limited yeah, time at Duke? I'm, I'm right making stuff up. You might be right. I just remember he had the game winner against UNC, so everything just looks better in oh, hindsight. Totally. So, yeah, but I don't think – I'm pretty sure that Duke season No, I'm not saying not he wasn't good. good. I'm saying I don't think he played a lot of games because I think I believe he had injuries. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm lying. Oh, no, I'm talking about Duke overall. Days. Yeah, see, I forgot who else he played with. It just wasn't a good season for Duke. Like, it was just very middle of the road. But one guy that I really wanted to talk about, and, Joe, you talked about him when he made a decision, was RJ Hampton. Now, he was a top five-star guy. I think, number yeah, number five in his class. He's going to play New Zealand versus playing – who. let me just look at the colleges that were interested in him real quick. Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Memphis. Memphis would have been really fun. Uh, yeah, so do you think you said he was a this is an outlier, not a trend? Do you think do you still think that? Because now with you have Darius Baisley well, this I mean, year and now RJ Hampton. And, and yeah, and I also know Kenny Martin's kid, who's only a three star, is skipping college to go pro, but he's not an actual he's not an actual NBA prospect. I okay. don't think this is for so like there's right. I've actually like I've gotten to talk to people about RJ Hampton, about this process, about how to view this moving forward. So my takes changed a little bit. It's not so much, it's like, listen, if it was a trend, this okay. would happen with a couple guys every single year. It's not. It's like one guy every couple years. You know what I mean? And basically wasn't like this top five pick. Like, it, it's not like we're not going to view this in a certain way until it's like the projected. Like, if James Wiseman did this, we'd be, you know, viewing this differently than RJ Hampton. But it's what it's signifying is 
guys want to get paid and they don't care where and they're kind of sick of going you know the go to college basketball like a lot of these guys like rj hampton has good grades he could have gotten to stanford um by all accounts he's a smart kid what i've heard he actually knew about this decision three months before he made it um and everything he did was for brand like i'm not blaming him oh. for it. like this isn't a knock on him but the reason why he reclassified when he reclassified yeah. and why he did and he kept doing the visits with memphis and, and, and all those other schools it was all branding it was to build up his branding so like when he went to new zealand he could start you know he could better position and leverage himself for shoe deals um the breakers are um part owners of the breakers are a couple of the barstool guys and stuff like this this was a very much calculated move for long-term branding um the development stuff doesn't really mesh though like when he talks about development um you're not gonna it's a better option than the g league right like i've talked to guys where the G League thing is, yeah, you're in the last, like a lot of the guys, like the older guys, like 24 and up, they're in their last throws to try to get in the NBA, and they're already built like men. Do you know what I mean? So like a guy like RJ Hampton is go there, and even if he got playing time, he's physically not ready. Do you know what I mean? So he wasn't going to develop there, and they're mm-hmm. pretty infamous for not developing guys well there. Um, the other options aren't weren't great either, though. Like if he wasn't going to go to college, like if he was to go to China. He'd be going even like I I heard the rumors that he was offered over a million dollars. He wasn't going to go there and develop. He just put up giant gaudy stats and make money. Um, and if you went over to Europe, like with one of the uh, I guess I don't want to call them like more reputable because because the NBL is a reputable league, but like a better league, like a stronger league. He wasn't going to play. Um, so the thing here is I think we're going to see moving forward is a lot of these guys that are who can't go to college to improve their draft stock but can go to the NBL or wherever, you know, like the HBL is going to try to launch in 2020, whatever other leagues that are available, they might be like Hampton could go anywhere between five and 15. But if you went to college, he wasn't improving his stock. Everybody already knows kind of where he's going to be. So you go, you start your earning potential a little early and you do this for branding purposes. And I know that sounds like a knock, but it's not. No, I he just wasn't the same prospect. Hampton's a better prospect than Baisley he, was. And I think that matters. Like, like stack, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, not stack oh, house, completely. Um, Kenya Martin's kid skipped out on going to Vanderbilt. This, I talked to Aaron Torres. He's a Fox Sports radio guy about it. Where, yeah, like, he comes from a different circumstance where, like, you know, in theory, he probably doesn't need the money because his father's Kenyon Martin. Um, but, like, also, like, is there a team out there that wants actually wants him professionally? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you just turning pro to turn pro? Are you turning pro because yeah. you have other aspirations? Or do you just know, hey, college isn't for me? He's like... I think an under like an under talked under discussed is that even a word under talked about is that are those words I don't know but um yeah the thing we never talk about these things is like some people just don't want to go to college and that's fine like college literally isn't for everybody so like when R J Hampton who's reportedly smart or Kenny Martin Jr goes yeah I don't want to do college it could literally just be that I don't want to do college I'm a basketball player this is what I want to do even if for somebody like Kenny Martin Jr who's probably going to be playing at the lowest levels of overseas basketball um. Even if it's for like you know lower level money, but in the grand scheme of things, like you know, it's that or go to college if you don't want to go. And why would you do something you you don't want to do on purpose? What's up, Blue Wire listeners? This is Jack from the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod. We recently ranked as the number one sports podcast on all of iTunes, all of Apple. We cover all things from the NBA draft, from NBA free agency. We're working on MLB this summer, as well as the NFL offseason. 
Catch me and my co-host Abe on the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod, a part of the wonderful Blue Wire Podcast Network. Right. And I think, yeah, whatever works for them. And I think RJ's, like, his skill-wise, while I was watching his tape, I was like, yeah, this guy already knows what he's doing with the ball, where some other guys just look like they're playing open gym. You could tell he already has, like, the pro moves, so... I, think, I mean, I he's also think like he a five but point card. He's kind of like you know, see comparisons like John Wall, right. um, but he's a better jumper, not as athletic, like not you know, like as freakishy. Yeah, and John, like John Wall was like very similar demeanor on the court. R.J. Hampton similar. is not, but like he he's, he is athletic. He's a big point guard. Yeah. Like he's not big, like in terms of his height and wingspan. Not as like his frame is actually kind of thin, but um, and his defense needs work. But these are all things like you know, like if you want. You're not going to improve upon that by going to Memphis or going to Kansas or Kentucky. Do you know what I mean? So if you want to put on weight and all yeah. this other stuff, yeah, the NBL is fine. I just don't believe, like, you know, like he's actually going to develop there more than he would have in certain situations, right? Like Tom Izzo is pretty infamous, 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 I can't talk, for not actually developing players super well. The ones that are <laughs> one and done types, right? Like if you stay there three years, he'll get you developed. But if you're only there one year, like Coach K, they're not great at developing guys in a short time span, um, but like somebody John Calipari is, or John Beeline was really good to do it in like a two-year window. Um, I don't think if he went to Memphis, he would really develop at all. Do you know what I mean? Penny Hardaway's early in his coaching career. They have a bunch of other yeah, NBA think... prospects on the roster. So I, I get what he's doing. I just don't know how much more he's going to develop in the NBL because they're all like, oh, yeah, because, you know, he gets to focus on all the time. He's playing for a dude that it wasn't like who's like 35. Like, how much developing he's, he can, does he know how to do? It? Do you know what I mean? More than, like, you know, Bill Self does. That I don't know. Yeah. Well, is it more of just getting reps against stronger guys? Because sometimes, like, someone like John Morant, he's going to have, like, the first time he gets stonewalled by, I don't know, like, Joel Embiid, that's going to hurt. Do you think just getting reps against bigger guys is a better selling point, if that makes sense, versus facing guys I just don't that believe are it's of similar build? Looking for. So, like – um. But, like, if that's the no, argument, sharpening. I mean, it doesn't really matter because the guys he's playing against the NBL, NBL aren't going to be anywhere near those guys' levels either. Like, it, it, I guess, like, I don't know how you would power rank right. leagues, um, but I would guess in terms of development and facing closer to NBA competition, I don't know where the NBL ranks compared to, like, college basketball, G League, you know, the Europe leagues and stuff like that. I don't think it's close to the NBA, though. Yeah, I think La Liga would probably be the best league, right? Like the one that Luca played for at Real Madrid. I'm assuming that league's probably like uh, the I mean, second best. I, 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 don't, I honestly don't know enough about it. I know there's the, the top flight overseas league, the European league. And then I know like if you just want to like get used to the grind of it, like being like bodied up against like, you know, people that are fully fleshed out as men, um, the G League would be a better option, even though, but you're not going to develop mm-hmm. any fundamental skills there. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jess? I just so I actually have watched a handful of of MBL games uh, for uh, the tournament purposes. Um, there's a lot of guys that come over and play for us and other teams um, play over there. And Joe's completely correct; like it's far from the NBA, but I I think it's still it's still pretty solid competition. I would say like there's re- some really good games, and they do like the series play and stuff like that. So you, I think, you know, getting able to being able to play a season like that where it's a full season and then the 
playoffs are set up very similarly to the NBA. Like just to get that type of experience, I think is good. And maybe the coach won't develop him, but maybe, you know, at least learning from some of these guys, just even though they're not NBA players, they still know like how to play in a professional setting. Um, Cause when these guys go to college, man, it's just, it's just a whole different world going from college to NBA. I mean, sure by second semester they probably aren't going to class because they're not going to need to be eligible for the next year and stuff like that but because uh, I'm pretty sure that's what uh, Ben Simmons said like by second semester he just wasn't going to class because he knew he was leaving um, but it's still very different you're still very structured and when you're playing in any professional league you have to learn how to um, you know get in the gym not just at practice but like on your own time and like how to take care of your body and stuff like that the yeah. only other point i would make yeah, that was weird like how people say like um well he'll be playing against professional basketball players um there will be more nba players like on memphis for example than there are on the new, new zealand breakers right now like they have one I, I i was looking at the right. roster the other day yeah um, they have sean long who i believe like had a very short stint with the rockets and then everybody else never played in the nba so, like, in theory, like, obviously, like, you'd be playing against a bunch of cupcakes sure. a lot of the time. Like, if he went to, like, you know, Duke or whatever, um, or Kansas, like, whatever, they would play, like, a lot of bad teams as well. But, like, he'd also probably play more NBA against more NBA players in college than he would, you know, than he presumably will in the NBL. So, it's, like, a weird. I think Jess is really Yeah, absolutely. Right, like, there is a lot of value in, like, being a pro for the sake of learning how to be a pro. Yeah, Baisley, I mean, Baisley didn't play, but I was I was doing an article on him, so I'm like reading up on what he was on his why he made his decision. And one thing he put up pointed out was like for he said for nutritionists. He said, I can have a nutritionist twenty four seven like a pro team, where in college I'm kind of just going to the dining hall and like my only structure is practice and games. So maybe that maybe that's what RJ's Hampton's looking for, more of just like that type of stuff. Because like you said, the NBA talent is in college, but like there's still top prospects in the college ranks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like just a weird. I think barren all of a sudden. Like down the line, like as you know, the one and done rule is going to be going away really soon. Um, so I think a lot of this won't matter. Like the the idea if it's a trend or not, it actually won't matter because all like you know the top six to twelve guys will just come out of high school. So like we only have what like two years away from the double draft, presumably. So even if this ends up being a trend, it'll be a trend for two years because then it won't matter. Well, it's interesting. Now I think. A- trend that got missed and i don't know i could just this could just be like a coincidence i think the college is taking on where blue bloods aren't going to be able to just sell their names anymore like i'm looking at the top list do you think team players are going to colleges based on relationships over branding now because well, that James is branding Wiseman, though Memphis, that is play penny that hardaway. is branding anthony edward went penny, to georgia yeah, penny hardaway's penny hardaway and he could sell him and mike miller could sell the nba to these kids so like and memphis is also like I I'll right. probably date myself again here, but like be- even before John Calipari, they were at one time like a national program. Right, right. But I'm saying over like Duke, like I don't see. I see. I Duke. think you. I think for that um, argument, Mike, I think Washington is a good example. Right. I was right? gonna say Washington and Anthony. Anthony Edwards was the one that really gave put the idea in my head because seeing Georgia in the top five was very strange to me. For Tom like, Green, baby, when I'm scanning the He's top excellent prospects. Absolutely. I, Historically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and Anthony Edwards. Have you guys seen him? I love this kid. Like the like great demeanor, top gun. on the court. He reminds me of Oladipo, like in terms of like how he is. 
<laughs> he's not like i haven't seen Sensational a ton of them and i like as i said earlier i hate comps but like my initial comp like and it's from a youtube clip so like obviously it's gonna be impressive um was like if victor oladipo was good younger yes definitely that's yeah that's him that's exactly what i thought of and just the way he talks like he said his whole idea with going to georgia was he loves atlanta nobody like loves atlanta unless like you know nobody goes to the hawks on purpose but everybody loves going to atlanta no, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a very you've I heard, heard the strip club quotation marks. You've after, heard uh, <laughs> after Houston. Yeah. You've heard. <laughs> hey, I played the fifth. <laughs> oh my but, goodness! But yeah, I I think someone like him, for example, where he just wants to play in front of his family. Do you think that would hold precedent over saying like Coach K just coming to your door and saying, "Hey, come play for Duke." Well, I guess it depends on timing because, like Joe's saying, the the one and done is gonna be gone sooner than rather than later. Um, and if you're making like a if you're making a college decision just because you want to like play in front of your family, well, then just go to the NBA and have your family there. Like, but I think you're right in terms of you know the relationships being a really big deal. I and it's just being. Um, the right fit you know I think a lot that went into Isaiah going into Washington was knowing that like he was going to come in and be the guy as opposed to going to Duke and being one of a few guys right um I think that I think that started to have a lot of impact on guys making decisions man it's gonna feel like a slight against coach K and I'm like not here to like second guess a hall of I'm not here to set like so like Calipari, like, like slander him. him. He has developed guys, <laughs> whether at Kentucky and the, the one and done era, where Coach K, like you can't say any of these guys got measurably better, measurably better from the time they hit campus to the time they left. Like as freshmen, like the one and done talents. Um, so I, I do think it is obviously a case by case basis. Like Anthony Edwards, you know, like you already pointed out all the obvious reasons why he's going there. Um, but then there's somebody like maybe like a Cole Anthony who goes to North Carolina, where I think he's like self-aware enough to know where his name like he's received a huge push right from slam from the new york post as like this next giant big popular point guard where like people if you talk to they're like yeah he's a little overrated so going to north carolina is much to do with him protecting his brand uh, protecting the image of the idea of who he is as opposed to going to like say like a non-traditional power where if he was the dude by himself he might be exposed a little bit so I think that's all conscious. Like these guys are so aware now. They're on the, like these recruiting websites track out so far out now, like years in advance. Like the 2022 class is already gaining steam. Like people are talking about them. Where these guys like they're not like um, deer in the headlights when they when they're making their decisions. They're very aware how this affects their draft stock. Where like you know I use Cole Anthony, but you could use other guys in the same. Like Wiseman went to Memphis along with other a lot of other a lot of other pros where it's one of those deals where he doesn't have to put up gaudy numbers to justify being the top two or three pick these you'll just assume if he doesn't get gaudy numbers is because he plays alongside a bunch of other pros do you know what i mean but if he went somewhere else where he's going to be by himself um where it wouldn't really you know he'd have to be putting up otherworldly numbers to justify it i know it's weird it's just a case-by-case basis i just packed in circles cole anthony definitely sell, like focused on brandon because i knew about him I want to say since he was a junior in college, I know Brickley, he was at Brickley's gym a lot. And just, he was just on, like, every time I opened Instagram, he was one of the main guys. 
And I think being a son of an NBA player, his father's Greg Anthony, that also helps. So I think it's a whole push. And I do – I'm glad you said you people think he's a little overrated because he's pretty small. Like I still – like we'll talk about him in a second, but like Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton, I think I would rather take them over Cole Anthony. I, I mean, I haven't seen enough might be a hot take, them, like sure, a strong but... opinion. Just from the grassroots guys I trust that I talk to that have seen him play, they're like, yeah, like, yeah, he's like a lottery pick and all this stuff, but I don't see him – like some mock drafts have him as a top five pick, and they don't they don't see it. Now I've I've only seen YouTube clips, so I don't really have a strong opinion yet. I think another big thing with you know recruiting and stuff like that, especially in the last few years with with the in- Instagram stuff and like social media, and also you know like you said, guys being on recruiting websites from like eighth grade, is players have started recruiting other players. Like it's not just the coaches recruiting these guys, you know. Um, for instance, um, McDaniel's, you know, took a while to, to commit. And I know, you know, guys on Washington are always like posting on his stuff or like, and from any of the schools that were trying to get him, like posting on each other's stuff, like saying like, yo, like come play with me, all this stuff. Like, I think that, that has a lot to do with it as well. Like, no, and also with there being kind of two to three major circuits in the summer, like these guys all play with each other um, in the summer, or it could be like with USA basketball as well. And I think that goes into it a lot. Yeah, because I'm looking at Memphis's recruiting class now. Like, Wiseman obviously is a stud, but Pre- I know Precious. Achua. 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 Are you a St. John's fan? Like, so was he? Oh, I thought you were. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I'm so good. I mean, I, I like him. I'm not uh, against them, but I think my dad's more of the uh, St. John's person. But yeah, so Memphis, do you think, are they going to become a new power just because of Penny Hardaway? Or is it like Jess said, do you think it's just going to be more players controlling? That that Penny brand is definitely something. And like with also Mike Miller, and I think he just hired an, a different assistant, right, who had NBA ties. Um it's, I mean, that's definitely a selling point. You can't overstate like being able to play for a coach that played in the NBA and had like a profound, you know, impact like he did. Um, is it? And obviously, you know, he's he's gotten these top recruits like Precious, like James Wiseman. So, I I think yeah, Memphis definitely it's on the up and coming we'll see how they do this year in terms of production and in terms of winning but yeah, I'm, i mean i I'm think with, they're in a I'm pretty good Jesse, spot like, right sam now. mitchell i believe is the guy you're talking about um but like he does have to show like he can yeah, also yeah, win yeah. with them and or develop them at the same time because like right now what they're all, i'm assuming right some of these guys are like one like some of the selling point here is like people in memphis really care about memphis basketball and it's a huge deal like it's like whatever football high school football is like in Texas or football in general is like in Texas, that's what basketball is in Memphis, especially like college basketball. Um, it's it's insane. Like it's something I've come to oh. appreciate over like the last ten years, where being considered Memphis, like in quotation marks, matters a ton to those people. Like, and it also matters. Like if you go there and you do well, like you're a king forever. Um, but they like as it is with a lot of these guys, especially like the younger coaches. Um, who are trying to get experience on the fly. They have to, like, this works out great in theory. Now, if Memphis struggles or these guys, you know, don't develop in a way where NBA teams like, that stuff circles back down to the grassroots scene. 
We're like, hey, if you want to get better as a player, you can't play for Coach X. Do you know what I mean? So right now it projects to be this great long run of Penny Hardaway dominating the recruiting trail. But this is a big season for him to be like, he doesn't have to be perfect, right? Because he's so young into his coaching career, but he has to show that he's at least competent. Otherwise, these guys will stay away. Yeah, I mean, I I don't <laughs> think I watched like a minute of Memphis basketball last year. Um, I don't even know, really know if they were on like TV at all. Um, but I'm sure that'll change this year with with these big recruits. And yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Like. I hope they get in some like close games and we have to see what his late game situations look like and just how he's running his offense and things like that, that I literally just have no idea what he's doing. Cause I didn't watch. And it helps that his any, stat, like Sam Mitchell's super experienced. Like, it's not like he's alone. Do you know what I mean? So like he has like the knock on like going back to Steve Lavin right. or Chris Mullen is like, they didn't make a great staff around them. Like Lavin, um, some of it was mass. Like, listen, it, it sunk. He lost his father, then he got cancer. So, like, it's not necessarily all his fault. But the knock on him was he didn't recruit and he didn't really have a great work ethic as a coach anymore. And then he didn't surround himself with a staff that would help offset those things. Penny Hardaway's done a great job of, one, getting other guys that on his staff that could help recruit. Then getting somebody like Sam Mitchell, who's kind of more there. Like, I know he's an NBA guy, so you think he's there for recruiting, but he's actually there to help Penny become, you know, better X's and O's coach. Yeah, and I think sometimes um, people think like maybe you know, oh, Penny just got this job just because he was an NBA player and like who he was as a player, but like, can he really coach? Like this conversation we're having now. But I think people really underestimate um, NBA and just professional basketball players in general, like their IQ for the game, where it's hard to know unless you're like sitting down with someone and like picking their brain. I mean, um, going back to like the tournament that I do in the summer, like talking to guys who, um, you know, played for some pretty prestigious programs, but then, you know, they just went overseas because like they just weren't NBA players, but just like picking their brain about offense and defense and like things they like to do. Like these guys know the game inside and out. It's not that they're just good, right? Like they are smart about it. They, they, maybe they're not smart about anything other than basketball, but they know what they're doing. And so I, while again, Penny has done the right things recruiting wise. Like I don't, I don't see like this as just being like a publicity thing. Like he could certainly be a really good coach. Yeah. Why is it going to be a big, big test for that? Like, at least for the Knicks perspective, since it looks like they're going to be in the top 10, you want to, I want guys that are already like almost there in terms of ready to step into a pro atmosphere versus, I don't know, like some other guys that are college. I'm trying to think of a prospect that just wasn't ready to deal with it. Maybe Knox to an extent. What were you saying? Because people did this with Juwan Howard when they hired him at Michigan, even though it's not like that's not a great comparison just because Juwan Howard has actual like NBA coaching assistant as an assistant, and he's like, kind of credited along with Fisdale as being like the defensive mastermind around those heat teams. But it's like one of these deals, like Penny wasn't hired as a publicity stunt. He has a background, not just playing in the NBA, but like in the grassroots scene, being very connected, coaching at the lower levels. Like obviously, like I was having a conversation with somebody, it'll go unnamed, but like everybody will want to knock, like one, some of it's racially called it, right? Because you're, you, you just throw NBA coach, an NBA player, like as if they don't have other experience outside that 
um, because they don't do this when college basketball coaches come up. They do it when NBA players come down to coach, and they just use NBA as a racially coded thing. But the other thing they do is they don't like give any of the other experience they gained outside of being just a basketball player and factor it into the equation. Not to mention the whole thing is like everybody, every time there's a first-time head coach, they're a first-time head coach. Like So like if you pull the assistant who's been an assistant 20 years at whatever school and to be the first be a head coach for the first time he's still a first-time head coach you don't know if he's gonna actually be any good do you know what i mean like for every mike hopkins that succeeds widely there are literally thousands of us former college basketball assistant coaches who failed so like i don't like the idea where and i i don't i i wasn't doing it to like i wasn't doing it to penny to be like questioning his uh coaching acumen in a way where it was you know just dismissing him off the bat but that's what i feel like a lot of people do with like Jawan howard penny hardaway Pretty much when anybody we, we you know, confirm more with NBA than we do with college basketball. And I just think it's wrong. Like, we don't do that, like, when, you know, like, Nate Oates is hired at Alabama. Even though this is his second, like, not his first job, but we just automatically assume he's going to be great. Why? Because he did well at a smaller school? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, none of these things are the same. Like, when you go up in coaching levels, like, it's always going to be more difficult. And there's no way to project how good any of these guys are going to be. Yeah, I noticed they get that for the bigger schools. Like Avery Johnson going to Alabama was viewed as a positive. Like when Colin Sexton was being rec- like looked at as an NBA player, like, oh, he played under Avery Johnson. He knows what he's doing. Alabama going into this year before Nate Oates, if they kept Avery Johnson, they would have been a top 10 preseason team. And they just decided to – like I don't know if Nate Oates is going to be great or not, and he's been doing a really good job in the recruiting trail. And everything, of course, projects to be great. But like a lot of that's because Avery Johnson left the cupboard full. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like I I was kind of stunned when they fired Avery Johnson because I was like he's he could hit in theory have a top ten team next year and they fired him. Like I don't like how man it's there's one black coach in the Big Ten. Yeah, like and this is a sport played by which is why like like the you know it's not breaking news that the majority of the good players in the world are are black players and you have one you know a power conference in the league in the in, in the country that is one black coach. Do you know what I mean? And then people get all mad when. You know, they do the whole skip the line thing. No, Penny Hardaway didn't skip the line. He worked the, the grassroots trail. No difference than a lot of other guys. Juwan Howard didn't skip the line. He was an assistant NBA coach. Do you know what I mean? Like, these guys all put in work at different levels. And then it's just stupid. You know what I mean? Whatever. That was a weird tangent by me. No, so it's all good. No, because it is part of a bigger picture. Like, for the pros, you want – I mean, like I said, again, you want guys that are used to – you want a coach that knows what he's getting himself into in terms of – setting these guys up for success. Like Calipari just happens to be great at it where he gets these guys ready to step to that next level. But like you said, like coach K he's a good coach and he just did a terrible job getting these guys ready. Like there were no sets. There was no, I mean, maybe behind the scenes he did better, but I can't really say like he Oka helped RJ Zion. Do you think Okafor got better more than from the time coach? he hit Duke to the time he left Duke? I thought he was the same exact player. No, I, I mean, I thought, yeah, I thought he was gassed up <laughs> to begin with. I think all these Chicago players are always are gassed up, personally. Like, Anthony Davis is the only one, and Derrick Rose, too, were the only guys that, like, actually fulfilled it. Like, now there's this guy, Taylor Horton Tucker, is getting a huge bump in the draft. I'm like, what has he proven? Like, some people have him over R.J. Barrett on their boards, which people is People with the boards, bananas. you can tell real quick, like, who actually – like, people that have Grant Williams' top three. Like, I like Grant Williams, but, like, what are you doing? Like, there's you don't have to overthink the draft. Like, people do this thing where – like well, Jess yeah. and I both like Jalen Pickett a ton from Siena, and I wrote this thing. Right, but like, 
Oh I, I boy, here we go. Early going, like, hey, like he's a really good player. He's a future, <laughs> future NBA player. And then, like a couple weeks later, I saw people having like top thirty in their drafts. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you? <laughs> I mean, we talk about it a lot. It's a lot of people just trying to be the first one to player X. It's like, oh, I saw this from way before. Right. They want to be able to quote their own and tweet two years though. later like, and I, say I how right they were. Twitter once. I'm like, yeah, you can't keep calling all these guys prospects when they're not even top 200 NBA players. Do you know what I mean? Because like these things do get back. Like these kids also have the internet and they probably vanity, vanity search themselves. And if they see somebody that's supposed to be a reputable NBA draft person, you know, say like this guy that's very much not an NBA player is an NBA prospect. They're going to believe it. Do you know what I mean? And it sets a bad precedent. And I, I don't know, yeah, man, hundred percent. I hate this industry. And I think that's because it's an attention seeking thing where just is right. They want to be able to quote tweet themselves. Because they'll, they'll, they'll either delete or just ignore all the ones they were wrong about. And then, you know, quote tweet the one they're right. And everybody go, Oh man, you're a genius. It's like, no man, screw you. You're it's bad. Yeah. No, I was, yeah, I've been searching because I've I've been heavy on the RJ Barrett train, and early on he was just being hated on for no reason. And now I'm starting to see half those loudmouths walk it back. It's like, oh, I've actually <laughs> seen him. It's like, yeah, you watch past Gonzaga, you fucking moron. Like, <laughs> like most of these people were just like seeing the clips that were put on Twitter by RJ haters and saying, oh, this guy's not that good. He's not that good. We did it with Bagley last year, where well, you know, it's, like, it's like actually the, um... Marvin Bagley's pretty damn good. It's not just this, but like when we, like us, the three of us and other, everybody we're talking about, we live in like that weird eco chamber that's Twitter where the, I don't, you don't, you can't tell if it's the majority voice or just the loudest voice sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Where they're going, um, like, like it was with Luca, like when Luca was coming out, people were like, oh man, I can't stand all this Luca hype because you know, that's all I see. And it's like one, it turned out to be deserved. Yep. Two, it's like, <laughs> was it really a lot of Luca hype or was it just like, the smart people were really high on Lucas so everybody else followed. Do you mean like it's, it's hard to tell like when people are killing Bagley or right now the guys that are killing RJ Barrett, like are those guys that the people that are killing RJ Barrett, do they matter or are they just really loud? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it cold? Is it, is it Cole Zwicker and Sam, Sam Vecini? I think, I think it's loud. Reputable who have, you know, information and the background and this stuff that are saying this, or is it, or is it somebody that just threw NBA draft in there? Both in high on RJ, by the way. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a big difference. Yeah, exactly. Screw yeah. the industry. Boo, boo, that's the boo problem. young but people. See, these guys just have. <laughs> 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 no, it's true, though, because it is. I think it is just the loudest people. I mean, it works. It works for their brand. But like, to it's, them. it's just not. But it's like they want it. Well, it's like, I'm definitely they want to circle jerk each other. It's weird. Like, you're not supposed to be doing this for attention. You're supposed to be doing it for the work. And I think credibility should matter. So like when you see people doing like really silly things into the 2019 draft and like like going back early in the year like i use the jail and picket in the top 30 thing as an example like you're not doing that because you believe it you're doing it for the your brand and i think that should be held these people should be held accountable i don't know how we do it other than just like yell at them at twitter and then we're part of the problem as well then i'm kind of like in the space where i just want to ignore them only like i pay attention to the guys you mentioned like cole is probably one of the main guys i listen to in terms of draft prospects and sam vicini as well who's done a great job for the athletic but the other guys, it's just like, yeah, this guy's like Grant Williams. You said top three. He's not a top three guy. He's very good. Like I think he is a lot. But of even if guy you believe that, that or pretend, like, like, come on, you you're telling me you're going to take him over Jared Culver, player in the draft, right? And you could actually make that argument. But like every time, if you if if you're somebody that talks to NBA executives, you'd be like, or any NBA people, you'd be like, 
Yeah, but nobody views him like that. So like when you're doing your board, you can't justify putting him in that spot because no NBA team feels even that like you could put the note when you put him at 22, right? Yeah, like this is where Grant William projects. I actually think he's the eighth best player in the draft. But you can't like they're two separate things. Like I think Sam Vecini exactly. does a great job of this going when he explains his picks, right? Like he'd like Sometimes, like, this part here is what I think he is. This is what I hear. Here's where I think it, it fits in between. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's where, he, like, somebody like Sam Vecini separates himself from everybody else, where he's not just his own opinion. He's hearing from NBA people where they go, yeah, this is where you're wrong. This is where you're right. This is where he actually projects. And then Sam's like, well, this is where you're wrong. This is where you're right. And this is the middle ground. And I think that's important for this process. So we, do, we avoid things where, you know, like Jason McIntyre from the big league called Seventh Woods, the next Kevin Durant. Yeah, exactly. I could cut up a good video of me shooting my backyard. I'm like, wow, this guy yes. has a really fucking nice yes. shot. Oh, like- Mike, we're doing it. New draft season. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from the pot. I'm coming and we're we're making the illest mixtape of yeah, 2019. Got to put the, the hoop mixtape music on it. But seriously, though. <laughs> All these guys look like stuff. That's like why it's like looking at people. I call it like looking at people through Instagram, put people's lives through Instagram where it's like, yeah, you look like you have like the best life ever. Meanwhile, you're probably like depressed or you have like another part of your life. Same thing with the prospects. You could obviously put a bunch of them killing well, each other is, in AAU games. Do you see that? Let's see what they look like in a like regular week, well, Let's see what they're like, It was at. some kid just dribbling hilariously to the, like it looked like an and one. Yeah, right. And then somebody found, and oh, somebody found Newman. a video of him like doing all that in the box. He's so And somebody goes, yeah. This is what happens in his first Division Two game. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what Julian Newman. Everyone hates him. If you go to his comments, like if he's ever reposted by Slam, well, be, it, Ball's life. Go to the comments. Fault, right? it's, it's high comedy. Sl- like, I'm gonna do it again. But like Slam, Slam's gotten the business of making money What's off of 15 year olds. Do you know what I mean? So they're gonna make all these kids look like the next whoever, and then somebody's gonna be like, "Yeah, this kid's actually like not a top 500 prospect." In the country. So, like, why are you giving him shine outside the fact that you're trying to make money off him? Why he can't? That's how I, I That's how I view it. I don't know if that's what's actually happening or not. But, yeah, I'm going just to wrap, put a bow on this. Uh, but uh, anything to plug, Joe? Um, Any I mean, upcoming like, features you know, coming out? Or anything HBL from CBB today? In 2020, um, for those interested in uh, league trying to pay college players. Outside of that, I've been, t- I've been working on a longer piece. I'll go on CBB today. Hopefully... Hopefully this month, but I don't know if it'll go up. And other than that, just follow me on Twitter at Joseph Myrtle. Uh, yeah, so make sure you go follow Joe, especially for all the with the college season coming up. We look like we have to pay attention for yet another yeah, year. Be but literate, people. At least we could read, right? At least you get those views in. <laughs> but yeah, so before we get out of here, Jess, you have anything to plug? Um, I'm not sure when this specific episode's dropping, but we are doing the uh, the draft crawl. bar crawl on Thursday. Yeah. So if you guys are are in the area, um, we're starting <laughs> off at uh, oh, I had it up. I just closed it. Damn the it. Hair, hair of the do- hair of the dog hair of the dog. Um, and then we got two other bars afterwards. But we're I think we're gonna start. And I hate Ace Bar because my friend got kicked out of there for. He was going to use the bathroom, and some idiot in front of him threw up in the bathroom. And I guess the bouncer thought it was my friend. And he just like yanked him by his collar. Oh man! So hopefully that guy's not there anymore. But we'll yeah, we'll forgive him. We are starting at Hair of the Dog, one sixty eight Orchard Street, East Village, at seven p.m. There may be some special guests, maybe not. You have to come to find out. But yeah, 
yeah, so definitely come check that out. I think we're the plan is like seven, eight thirty be there. Uh, you know, catch the pick there and then kind of make our way towards the other ones. Should be a ton of fun. Um, good excuse to go out on a Thursday night. So yeah, hope to see you all there. Yeah, a little college throwback, Thirsty Thursday. Hey. You gotta get there. But yeah, so since this is the last episode, I wanted to thank everyone that's been here. Brian Giverman. He's been editing, doing all the grease work for this stuff. Like, I think we have the easiest job just getting to talk. He edits it. He got us Coles Wicker as a guest. So big shout out to Brian. Big shout out to Anthony Corbo, Kyle Maggio, Ryan Punzalan. I butcher your name, Ryan. Sorry. But yeah, thank you so much. This has been fun. Thank you to the listeners. And thank you to my unofficial host, Jess Harley, the other writers that came on, Quentin, Eli, Marco, Rookie of the Year, Lawrence. So yeah, it's been fun. And Hopefully we'll catch you guys next year.